Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. All right, let's lift our hands. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated in the house. Flipping your Bible over to Mark chapter number four. The gospel according to Mark chapter number four. Start around verse number 35. Uh, Who all was here Sunday morning? Just wave at me. So I preached a message and, and I'm just calling it faith in uncertain times. And if you were, if, if you weren't able to make it, you can watch that online, but it's an incredible encouragement to find out that God is not shocked by the unstable situation you're going through. There's a lot of confidence in knowing that, that the instability that you might be experiencing very well could be a growth factor in your life. Do you remember the prophet that, that the Bible says God told him to go and uh, wait by this, this creek or this brook? And when he sat there, uh, the Bible says that he would drink uh, cool water from the brook and that a bird would come and feed him every single day. God told him to go there. Then one day, listen to this, the brook dried up. How many of you think like it would probably be a reasonable thought to say, but God, I thought you told me. Sometimes the instability in your life is so you will actually make a change. You know how easy it is to get comfortable? Some of you sit in the same chair every night at the exact same time. I'm not going to point any fingers because I don't know for sure, but some of you wear the same PJs every night. You got this one shirt that you like. You like it more than anything else. It's 872 years old. It's got two holes in it that you know about and then other holes that everybody else knows about. And you just get comfortable because nothing's changed. So I'm here to talk about the power of going through unstable times well. What if instead of asking God to deliver us from every challenge, we ask God that we would grow through the storm. What if instead of saying, oh God, I don't understand why this giant is standing in front of me. Because if I answer that question through the lens of the Bible, the giant is there to validate that our God reigns. The giant is there to deliver the weapon that you will need in a future battle. Did you know David literally used the sword he took from Goliath later on? Did you know that your enemies are bringing you the weapons you will need in the future? And if you don't fight them now, they'll still have your stuff. I think, I think somebody ought to just get a little bit obnoxious in the spirit and just decide, you know what? I'm taking my stuff. You bring me my sword, I'm going to swing it. The Bible doesn't say no weapon form will prosper, just says it won't prosper against you. 
I like the idea of the devil being my delivery boy. I like him being, a, being, being an observer at the banquet table that the Lord spreads out right in front of him. That while he's spitting accusations and hurling doubt and unbelief and trying to throw trip hazard after trip hazard, by faith we can just decree and declare that my God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You may be here to fight me. I'm just here to eat. I'm talking about going through unstable times and and proving and verifying that God is still victorious and on the throne. Because if you don't know, if you don't know, or if you didn't know, there will be some things that will hit your life that you never thought you're going to have to go through. And you're going to have to choose in that moment, am I going to go through this with God? Or am I going to go against what the Bible says and shake my fist at him? Because when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, the reality is, is you're going to get out of it. And when you get out of it, you're going to have two options. Let's just call this the valley of the shadow of death. It's not because it's where I preach, but praise the Lord. You're going to go through the valley. When you get to the other side, you really only have two options. You either get to say, nana, nana, boo, boo, devil, I told you I was coming out of this thing. Or you get to say, Lord, I am so sorry I doubted you again. I like to go through the valley of the shadow of death like this. I like to, as soon as I realize I'm going, starting going into a valley season, I like to start saying stuff like this. You're messing with the wrong Christian. He who begun a good work in me is going to complete it. I'm not certain of all of them, but he has prepared steps for me. When he says there's no way out, I like to remind the enemy that where there is no way, my God is making a way for me. He says, I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. I like to say, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds. He says, all you're coming at me with is, is, is a stick. No, no, no. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts actually means the Lord of angel armies. You don't understand. We've got you surrounded. You think you have me surrounded. My God has you surrounded. I'm telling you, you're not going to make it. Though he slay me, I'm still serving him. And so, so this, now we're in the red zone. It's a lot easier to go those 90 yards. You know what I'm saying? And then it gets down to that 11th hour. And that's when I like to start getting real obnoxious. Because that's whenever you start, you start thinking about, man, I'm not sure if it'd get any worse. And I remember Paul and Silas, who surely thought God was about to deliver them whenever all the religious zealous were coming around and saying, we're about to arrest you. And they were probably thinking, there, God's not going to let us get arrested. We're Paul and Silas. And before you know it, they're wearing, they're wearing metal handcuffs. They got these real fancy bracelets that go behind their back. 
And they take them and they say, well, I mean, surely favor's about to get here. I can't wait. We're probably about to have a whole revival right here in the middle of this police station. And before you know it, they're in the prison. And not even the prison prison, they're in the inner prison. And they're sitting there and they, and Paul and Silas kind of bummed out and said, man, I wish they would have taken these stocks off of our hands. All these chains are just rattling. Then old Silas was sitting there and the Bible says long about the midnight hour. I feel like maybe one of them started hearing something and said, Paul said, what? He said, that sound like a tambourine to you? Does that sound like a tambourine to me? He said, well, he said, I, I can't exactly clap. He said, but I can snap. He said, he said, how about this? He said, let's start singing. He said, well, what are we going to sing about? He said, we're going to sing about how God's going to set us free. God's going to set us free. We're in prison. All the guys around him talking about, what are you talking about being free? You're in prison. They probably looked at him and says, I know I'm in chains in the natural, but I promise I'm more free than anybody in this place. And then they started singing, God's going to make a way where there is no way. And before you know it, the place began to shake. And they didn't just get free. Everybody got set free. And then you finally get over to the other side of the valley. Now you got an opportunity. You can look back at the devil. You can say, Jesus, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. If you lead, I will follow. I'm on the way, ready to go. Just one more second. I told you, you rotten dog. You don't have any power over me. You don't have any authority over me. Before it's over, I'm going to have victory. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. I like to talk a little smack. I like to talk a little, talk a little noise in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if I could just call it something different tonight, I'd say that unstable ground. When it seems like everything has come against you. When it seems like nothing's going right. We're going to pick up here Mark chapter number four. Verse 35. Jesus, he had been teaching next to the sea. And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let's pass over to the other side. All right, let's talk for just a minute. How come God always tells you to do something when he knows you're not going to be able to see well? (laughs) Like, if you and me were about to go cross a sea, I would tell you, meet me at 6 a.m. I want to have as much daylight as possible. Because I've been, I've been... I've been swimming in, in all kind of water. I've been swimming with sharks. I've been swimming with alligators. I've been swimming with alligator gar. I've, for all you watching online, just Google alligator gar. It's like half fish, half alligator. They have them in Texas as well as jackalopes. I've been swimming with sea turtles. And believe it or not, they'll make you nervous too. I've been swimming with dolphins. I can't say I enjoyed it. Because all I kept thinking is if you can jump that high out of the water, how far could you smack me with that tail? I've been swimming in clear water. I've been swimming in muddy water. I grew up near a river that had alligators all in it and we would go swimming on sandbars and we would, we would go uh, water skiing and, and we would always see the alligators. They were everywhere. And, and I remember, I think one time I asked my dad, I was like, Dad, like, there's alligators everywhere. And he said to me, oh, son, they won't hurt you. <laughs> now, I'm a kid, so I'm like, Dad said they won't hurt me. They won't hurt me. 
So we just swam in the water. But the first time I went scuba diving, and I don't recommend this, by the way. The first time I went scuba diving was in a lake called Sam Rayburn Reservoir at midnight in a thunderstorm. A friend of mine had two scuba tanks, two masks, and he said, all you got to do is put it on and breathe, man. I said, I'm in. He came out with two spear guns. He said, let's go spear fishing. Two spear guns, two lights. Light in one hand, spear gun in the other. And if you've ever been spear fishing, spear guns are not like this long. They're like five, six foot long. So I said, well, I've actually never been scuba diving before. He said, it's cool, man. We'll do it in the pool first. So we jumped in the pool for all of 31 seconds. He goes, got your mask on? I said, yeah. He said, put that thing in your mouth. I said, okay, I put the thing in my mouth. He said, now stick your head underwater. And he looks at me and he goes, you good? I stood up and said, I guess. So we go down to the lake. And we're walking in. I'm walking into the water. He gave me this, this fancy watch that doesn't tell time. It tells you how deep you are. He goes, now listen. I didn't tell you how to equalize your ears. So don't go under 30 feet deep. I said, brother, you ain't got to worry about me getting out of the kiddie pool, all right? So we're walking in, and, and I'm realizing as the rain's falling, I said, I said, you realize like it's raining? He said, we're already wet. I couldn't argue with this logic. So I just went with it. So we start walking into the water, and, and I don't know if you've ever worn flippers, but you don't walk forward in flippers. You have to turn around and walk backwards in flippers. So I'm walking backwards in these flippers at midnight in a rainstorm. I got a, 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 he kept calling it a ballistic light. I don't know if it was a ballistic light. But that's an awesome name. Had a ballistic light in one hand, a spear gun in the other. And I'm walking backwards. <laughs> I about sucked all the oxygen out of that tank before I got under the water. He said, he said, look, just follow me, man. You'll see my light. And I was like, all right. So we get down, he, about, about the time we're waist deep, he said, it's a lot easier for us to swim, just lean over. I was like, all right, the thing's heavy. Now, also, I forgot to tell you, he strapped a belt on me that was covered with lead. I'm starting to question our friendship. He goes, no, it's for buoyancy. I said, I'm a man, not a boy. He said, no, man, it'll help you sink. I was like, oh, okay. So I got this weighted belt on to help me sink. I got a tank of oxygen on my back. I got, you know, God knows whose lips have been on this thing I'm breathing out of. I got a mask that every 13 seconds fogs up where I can't see anything. I'm walking back so I get waist deep, start to lean over. And now I'm trying to follow this ballistic light. And literally, it looks like I'm swimming in Louisiana gumbo. I can't see anything. So I just go in the direction that I think he's going. And I thought like this. I thought, well, here, I can touch the bottom. I'm just going to stay on bottom. That's probably where the fish are. So I'm going and I got my light in front of me. Didn't make any difference having a light, not having a light. It's like shining a light in a bag of sand. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden we're looking for alligator gar. Alligator gar's got t it's got a face like an alligator. It's got a body like a fish. It's terrifying. And we're looking for him. And I'm trying to be tough, so I'm just going. And I'm sitting there with this light. And as I, as I, as I have this light, all of a sudden, 
about, I don't know, a two-inch long perch swims in front of me. It's the only thing I saw the whole time. But I'll be honest with you. I literally thought it was a great white shark. (laughs) So I'm sitting there. I can't see him anywhere. I don't want to shoot him with the spear because I can't see him, can't see his light. But I figure I'm just going to keep going. And all of a sudden, my ears started hurting. And I'm like, man, my ears are just hurting. And I'm just trying to tough it out. And I'm sitting there. And he gave me this other thing that that hung off of the tank. And you can see how much air you got in it. So I'm trying to run out of air so I have an excuse to go up. I'm sitting there. I'm like. (laughs) So after five or ten minutes of this event, let's call it an event, the needle finally gets into the, the yellow area. So it's in green for a while. That means you got enough oxygen. It goes yellow and then it goes red. And I don't know if red means dead, but it's probably something like that. <laughs> so it gets in the yellow. I'm like, all right, I'm getting out of here. And I start following the, the bottom of the lake. The problem is I don't have a clue which way the bank is. So the only thing I can do is just swim up. And I'm swimming and I'm swimming and I'm swimming and I'm swimming. And now I'm starting to wonder... How deep am I? I finally stick my head up and I can see some houses, some lights for some houses. I'm about 200 yards off the bank. So I lay over on my side. I took some survival swimming training when I was a kid. And I never thought I would need it, but boy, did I need it that night. I was laying on my side doing my occasional scissor kick. And every time I looked, it felt like I was getting further away. But I figured I got a lot bigger chance of drowning if I wear myself out than I do if I just lay here in the water. Plus, I can always shed his scuba tank. It's not like I need it. I can get rid of this heavy belt if I need it. So I'm thinking all the things I can do. Matter of fact, one of the things they taught us how to do is how to turn your shorts or pants into a life preserver. And I was sitting there thinking, I hope I don't have to do that. But I'm not drowning tonight. So I got back, clothes and all, all the way to the the bank. And I'm sitting there and he comes back. And he goes, where'd you go, man? I was scared to death. I said, you saw a perch too? (laughs) He said, no, man. As soon as I got in the water, I realized there's no visibility. We can't scuba dive like this. He said, was that you shining that light like 200 yards out there? I said, yeah, man. And a perch tried to eat my face. He goes, my God, man, you all right? I said, my ears are hurting. He grabbed my arm. He goes, did you even look at your thing? I said, no, it looked like a watch. He handed it, he pulled it up. He shined his light on. He said, you were 45 feet deep. What I'm trying to tell you is being on the water at night can be scary. So for Jesus to say, let's go to the other side in the evening, he knew you weren't going to be able to see everything. So you're going to have to live by, not by, I wish somebody give God a hand of praise right here in New Heights Church. God's going to give you instruction. And he's going to tell you to do something and you are not going to know everything you're going to have to do along the way. It's his MO. His whole plan is for you to trust him. Because if you'll trust him, he will do 
exceeding, abundantly, above, more than you can ask or think. So whenever you begin to understand maturity in God does not mean you get to see further. In my life, it means I see less, to be honest with you. All the stuff I can see, I'm responsible for. Write that down. What I can see, I'm responsible for. Stop asking God to do what you can see. Ask God to do what you can't do. He said He'll bless the work of your hand. Some people are asking God to bless and there's no work. So Jesus said the same day, He goes, look, I just got done preaching. Let's go to the other side. And when they had sent the multitude away, verse 36. Well, this is such a rich story in the Bible. When they sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. All right. So first off, they had to send the multitude away. You ready for this? Everybody's not going where you're going. My dad used to tell it to me like this. You can't take everybody with you. There's some people in your life that are going to propel you and there's going to be some people in your life that are going to postpone your future if you stay attached to them. When the multitude went away, they could actually do what God said. Then they said, then it says this, this is all in verse 36. They took him as he was. You can't come to Jesus with a bunch of preconceived notions of what Jesus is like. You have to take him as he is. You can't come to God and start telling God what he's like. You got to go to God and find out what he's like. And then you rearrange your belief structure based off what you find out in the word of God. So the multitude had to go away. They took him as he was. And there was a whole flotilla of boats headed across this thing. Other little ships, the scripture says. 37. And there arose a storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship. So that it was now full or, or effectively it was swamped with water. So Jesus says to them, let's go to the other side. And while they're doing what Jesus said to do, a storm showed up. May I present to you that the storm in your life does not mean you're out of the will of God. Sometimes it means there is an adversary that's trying to stop you from getting somewhere that God has already told you to go. So they're in the dead center of the will of God. You can't be more clear than that. Jesus said, do it. They're literally doing exactly what he said to do. And he was in the hinder part or the stern or the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. So the boat is sinking and Jesus is asleep. Now, I don't know. The boat was almost full of water. I don't know if he's like... You know, he walks on water. I don't know if he's just laying on the water in the back. I don't know. But what we do know is he's clearly not concerned about the storm. But they come to him and they say this. They woke him up and they said unto him, 
Carest thou not that we perish? One translation says, teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, just a couple more things then we're going to wrap up tonight. So really lock in for this last, this last couple minutes because you're going to get something that's going to help you through an unstable time. So Jesus is asleep. The reason he is asleep is because God's word never returns void. The minute he said, let's go to the other side, no devil in hell, no storm, no wind, no wave, no water, no nothing could have stopped that boat from getting to the other side because he said it. Can I offer you something? Instead of getting into the valley of the shadow of death and talking about the valley of the shadow of death, how about just talking about I'm getting to the other side of this thing? Because Jesus is not just the son of God, he's also the son of man. And Mark chapter 11 is still true. You have whatsoever you say. So when Jesus said we're going to the other side, that boat was going to make it to that next beach. So when you see or sense a storm, some unstable time, you sense a death valley type season, I dare you to start talking about how God's going to make a way for me where there is no way. God's going to prove himself strong again. I'm coming through this thing. I'm not even going to smell like the smoke from the fire they try to throw me in. I'm going to make my way through this thing. God's going to help me. And the whole time, instead of saying what you see, why don't you say what you want to see? Because when Jesus said, we're going to the other side, they're going to the other side. He said to him, he said, he said, he said, listen. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you don't have any faith? Faith comes by and hearing the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. And what comes out of his mouth is the word of God. When he said, we're going to the other side, that is the word of God. And faith could have been attached to it. And they could have been sleeping on the back of the boat too. But instead, they were living by what they could see, what they could experience, what their five senses and emotion and all the other elements of your of their life was being pounded on by this storm. So instead of resting when they could have been, instead of resting when they could have built an even bigger testimony, instead of resting, they had to go wake Jesus up and say what any one of them could have said. Peter could have walked to the front of that boat and said, y'all heard Jesus. He said, we're going to the other side. I wonder if that storm might have been propelling the boat a little bit. Jesus said, why are you so afraid? It's almost like he said this. Didn't you hear me? I said, we're going to the other side. Your family is going to be saved to a thousand generations. I'm not saying you don't feel it emotionally. What I am saying is you can rest your head on the pillow at night and let the storms blow 
because we know what he said. I'm talking about having faith in unstable times. Jesus said, why are you fearful? How do you not have faith? The Bible says in Mark chapter number one, that he healed a leper. Mark chapter number two, he healed a man sick of the palsy. Mark chapter three, he healed a man who had a withered hand and boom, stretched out. The reason he says you have to live by faith and not by sight is because even the good things you've seen are not strong enough to hold you when the wind blows. You can't rely on an experience. You have to rely on his book. So the question is this. What did God say? I'm not feeling good. What did God say? He said, by his stripes, we're healed. Man, my money's just not touching and agreeing. What did God say? He would supply my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm just tired in my body. I'm just, I'm just tired. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Did you know in the natural it doesn't even make sense to go to church? come and, and, and sit and you know we sing these songs and then we crack this book open and read it out loud and, and the natural doesn't make any sense but I've been doing this now my whole life nothing gives me rest like being in the presence of the Lord like being right in the middle of the glory of God Like being reminded time and time and time again that he's made a way before and he's going to do it again. So when the storm hits you, you have an option. You can either, because let me just say this, just because they did it in the Bible doesn't mean you're not, you're supposed to do it that way. Sometimes, matter of fact, a lot of times in the Bible is showing a way that you don't have to do it. Like the fact that the disciples didn't believe and were scared, I'm not knocking them. I mean, I'm telling you, being in the water in the dark can be scary. But just because they did it that way, you know, we're supposed to build off of what they did not just return to that same folly so the next time the storm rages in your life the next time you get a word from God and it feels like well you know I'll do it as soon as the sun comes up let me tell you something the sun won't come up if he told you to do it in the evening you're going to have to take some steps of faith some of you are going to have to you're going to have to reach out to that neighbor, that, that friend, that family member. You're going to have to reach out to them by faith. 
without seeing how it's all going to work out. You're going to have to, you're going to have to reach out by faith. You're going to have to believe God by faith. You're going to have to drive a stake in the ground and say, I, I, I don't understand how this is going to happen. I know God. I got seed in the ground. I have no idea how my harvest is coming in, but I'm telling you, I will live or I will die, but I am going to believe God that his word is true. And that's the only way it's going to be in my life. Forget about asking to be able to see everything. Because the Bible says you can't please God without faith. And faith requires you to not see everything. So the minute you can see it all is the minute it's your responsibility. Do it. But what you can't see, let's believe God. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, he's quoted as saying like this. Dare to believe. What if you just believed? I mean, every time, every single time. My wife, we drive to the doggone mall and she starts declaring park in favor. I'm like, woman, you don't need park in favor. You got to live in valet. <laughs> I'm going to drop you at the door and go park the truck anyway. We'll drive up. There's a parking spot right there, front row, Joe. She said, Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And you know me, I glory to God. Praise God. What if you just believe for everything? What if you what if you decided, well, I don't I don't what if you stop talking like this? I don't want to be too spiritual. I ain't worried about being too spiritual. I'm worried about not being spiritual enough. I ain't worried about being too Christian. I'm worried about not being Christian enough. Well, you know how some Christians are. Aren't you glad his Bible didn't say follow Christians? It says follow Christ. What if we decided, man, I'm just going all the way, all the time. And the minute I feel myself getting off track, I'm going to get back on track. The minute I feel myself fall down, I'm going to remember the righteous may fall seven times. And praise God, I'm going to get back up. That's what I'm going to do. Every time, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God. You get a bad report. You get a bad report at work. You get a bad report uh, uh, in any area of your life. Man, I'm just going to believe God. Well, you know, this doesn't seem to be working out. Well, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God at his word. I can't see how I'm going to get out of this. That means it's not my job. Because if I could see how to get out of this, I already would have got out of this. He's going to make a way for me where there is no way. I'm going to believe God. He always has a way of escape. I'm going to believe God. What if What if every family reunion? I'm going to believe God. What if every time you walked in the grocery store? I'm going to believe God. Maybe God wants me to talk to somebody in there today. Praise God. every time you went to Starbucks, you know, three or four times a day. Oh, excuse me, Dutch bras. All right, now I got to know. Starbucks, raise your hand. Dutch bras, raise your hand. I know it's Dutch brothers. I prefer Dutch bras because my son prefers to say that. Because Batman says that. What if you just believe God? Not on some things, on everything. What if somebody said, we better go wake up Jesus. And you said, no, I'll get it. For this little storm, I'll get it. He already said, 
He said, I can go to the other side. Last point. If Jesus is on your boat, you never have to worry about it sinking. If Jesus is not in the boat, get out. Remember Peter? Is that you, Jesus? It's me, Peter. Tell me to come out there. I want to walk on the water too. Come out here. If Jesus is in the boat, don't get out. If Jesus is on the waves, ditch the boat. But wherever Jesus is, there is no fear. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father, I thank you for guiding us. I I know that many of us are going through some unstable times right now. I just speak a great supernatural gift of faith over every person. They're not looking with natural eyes for the answer, but rather, as they go through the unstable time, they continue to declare that our God, that's you, Lord, that you're going to make a way that nobody else could do. That you're going to bring something to pass. You're going to bring the right relationship, the right moment, the right opportunity. It's going to come about. And all the while, we'll be sitting at the ready to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Can you give God a hand of praise tonight? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.